it was really a moment for me of like, oh, I could be a different person. Everybody else, my identity had changed in that moment when I got all the validation from my friends. It's like, oh, I'm somebody who works out. I'm somebody who's fit. And that, that validation from people addressing me that way changed my actions. What is up, my friend, and welcome to the Dan Go Show. I'm your host, Dan Go, coach to high-performing entrepreneurs and professionals. And what we do at the Dan Go Show is tease out the best practices of the highest-performing entrepreneurs in the world while sharing cutting-edge, evidence-based information to help you become healthier and wealthier. So if that's what you're into, you're in the right place. Click that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts so every time one of my episodes goes live, you'll be the first to know. What is up and welcome to the podcast. This one is special to me because I am talking to my friend, Danny Miranda. And yes, every single podcast is special to me. Okay. Like every single one is special. Okay. If you're, if you're a guest who's listening to this, every single one is special and you are special as well. And um, <laughs> Danny is a friend and I wouldn't be doing these podcast interviews if it wasn't for Danny. And if it wasn't for his mentorship in the very beginning, um, I sought Danny out because he had done... I think it was like 200 uh, interviews at that time. And I was just getting into the whole game of podcasting. And Danny and I have known each other for the past two years. We've seen each other on the come up in terms of uh, being in this creator slash social media slash podcasting slash YouTube world. And um, and to me, creating is one of these things that is just is it just feels good to my soul. And it's the reason I do it. So in this particular podcast episode, Danny and I, we talk about um, you know what makes a successful creator, what makes an unsuccessful creator. Uh, we talk about uh, his rise and the come up. We talk about uh, his uh, little tricks and tips that he uses on YouTube or actually on TikTok. And uh, we also talk about kind of like, you know, what the core principles are if you are in this game of creating, if you want to get uh, your name out there and you want to be seen. And, uh, and, and this is kind of like this conversation just between two people who are just trying to find their way in this world, uh, this way in the, this creator world of social media and all this kind of stuff. So uh, I hope you enjoy this interview that I have with Danny. Um, if you are returning to this podcast, uh, you know, please do me a favor, leave a five star review on whatever you, you know platform that you listen to podcasts with. I really appreciate it. I'd really appreciate it. And um, I just appreciate you in general. Thanks for listening to these things. You know, just you know, I, I put them out and I don't know exactly, you know, who is going to touch. And, uh, and yeah, I just appreciate every single uh, person that listens to it because, uh, yeah, we're on the come up and we're, we're trying to get out there right now. So yeah, without further ado, here is my interview with Danny Miranda. Welcome to the podcast. I have my friend, my podcast sensei, my Yoda, uh, Danny Miranda here. And Danny Miranda, uh, Danny, uh, we were just, we've been, uh, we've been in this game for a while. Uh, we've known each other for the past like two years, uh, on Twitter, starting, uh, you know, continuing on evolving into podcasts. And I want to give you, uh, just massive amounts of respect and praise because I wouldn't be doing what I am doing right now, interviewing you, interviewing all these people. If it wasn't for the conversation that we had, and if you're wondering what conversation this was, I reached out to Danny 
And this is the this is actually an example of the type of guy that Danny is. So I reached out to Danny and I was just like, hey, I've been really thinking about getting into this podcasting thing. He's like, okay, let's talk. I'm like, like now? He's like, yeah, now. And then we get on the the Zoom and we end up turning that uh, entire conversation that we had into a YouTube video, into a podcast, which uh, you've been telling me right now, which has gotten a lot of like amazing response. And um, and if you don't know Danny, Danny is prolific. Uh, he is Uber podcaster. He does it, I believe, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Is that correct? Currently Mondays and Thursdays. Okay, Mondays but, and Thursdays. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, prolific on TikTok, being prolific on uh, YouTube. And I was telling Danny before this, I feel like we're getting him on the cusp of superstardom uh, right now. And I'm excited to bring you this interview. So Danny, welcome to the freaking podcast. Thanks for coming on, brother. Dude, I'm so humbled. One, for that introduction. Two, to know you. And three, to just be here. Thank you for for having me. Yeah. It's an absolute honor. Yeah. it's. I feel like we are two guys who are trying to figure out this creator world. Uh, just just trying to kind of wade our way through it. Trying to like throw shit up at the wall. Trying to figure it out. And uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's been such a ride for the past like couple of years. Just figuring and navigating this. Uh, what have the past two years been like for you? Because I feel like we've kind of started at the same time. Yeah. It, the last two years have been a whirlwind. It's been so interesting to see. See, the thing about creating in general on the internet is you you look at how other people are doing it and then you say, okay, how can I do that in a way that's authentic to me? And finding that out and figuring out that way takes some time. And it's just now in the past month where I've really felt like, oh, wow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is how I'm supposed to communicate. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And we'll get into it, I'm sure, in terms of TikTok. But it's like using TikTok in a way that is through my podcast. And I tried TikTok before and I, I didn't do it in a way that was real to me, that wasn't getting good feedback. And since just doubling down on it in a real authentic way, I've been able to see incredible results. And it's just a, a really cool thing to be able to witness and have this conversation in this moment. So yeah, yeah man. What about uh, for you? Like, what, yeah. how would you describe the past two years and where are you at today? Um, the past two years, I would describe as uh, two sentences, which is showing up and doing the work. I would add a third sentence to that, which would be to continually seek growth in what you're doing. And um, yes. I've I've like, uh, I don't know if I call it blowing up on Twitter. I, I, I grew on Twitter and then I put my focus into Instagram and we got that up like super fast. Like we're up to like a, over 100K followers on that one. That was wow. like within the span of like, I don't even know how long. It was like four months. Oh and my then, God. And then now we're going on to YouTube. Now we're going into um, the shorts, going on to the podcasting. Um, I feel like it's like this ascension from doing very short form content and going on to longer form, uh, mm. digestible, longer pieces of content, if that makes any sense. Totally. And it's like me and you have this superpower, it feels like, where we could just put our heads down and go. And if you just give us an objective, we'll we'll just go and we'll, we'll do anything we can. And another key piece, I think, of what you just said is like trying to do what you've done, but figure out how to make it a little better. And I think that's been the success of the podcast is I started doing podcasts as audio only phone calls. And now they're in person and they're clips. And it's like 
a completely different thing. And that whole process took me personally two years. And it's like, ask, and it was just from asking the question of how can I do this, but a little bit better and constantly asking that every month. So really cool to hear about your journey like that. And I've applied the same question and continually try to get better. Danny, I've got so many fucking questions for you. But it's hard because when we get into these conversations with each other, we can just like go off into tangents. Um, let, let me throw in something in there as well as the sense that when you say putting your head down, it really means like not letting the results get to you, right? Yes. I think a lot of times people get blinded by results. Uh, when people see success or they make a lot of money or whatever that is, it causes them to kind of party a little bit. I think the difference with us a little bit is the is the fact that oh cool like this happened this happened all right put my head down and keep on working like it's kind of negative just like or positive up. negative yeah. or positive yeah right like I had posted ten TikTok clips yesterday that the best one got eight thousand views which for me my, what I'm currently doing is a very small amount and I'm saying to myself doesn't matter like where's my ten clips today is the question so it's not about and it's like okay a video hits a million views where are my 10 clips today is the question. So it's like constantly understanding that negative and positive shouldn't affect you to do the work, which is something I learned from watching you. <laughs> I feel like we're just going to keep on praising each other back and forth. It's fine. Now, it's the truth. I want to I ask this question. This actually was not even part of my list of questions, but what is your relationship to quantity and quality, right? Yeah. Uh, because everyone says it's, not about quantity, it's about quality, but I, I do think it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. You learn what's quality from putting out a lot of quantity. And the more you put yourself out there, the more TikToks I can create, the more tweets you can create, the more Instagram posts you can create, the more you can see what resonates with people. And so, yeah, you get to quality from my perspective by producing a lot of quantity and not judging the results on the micro and instead saying, okay, of three months of work or a month of work, what got the best engagement? Why did it get the best engagement? Can I create more content that's similar to this if it's authentic to me? So yeah, that uh, that makes a lot of sense that to me, that quantity is the thing that leads to quality. And then what do you feel about spamming the same move every single time when you know it's working, right? What do you mean by that? Okay. So um, on Twitter, you can write in a certain cadence in a certain way, you know, it's going to get like a crap ton of views, a crap ton of engagement. But if you spam that too much, mm -hmm. it becomes very tired. And the people that are watching it, they're like, okay, this guy's like a one trick pony. So yeah. when I, when I think, when I say spamming, it's like, you can keep on doing the same thing over and over and over at some point in time, like the audience, I feel it, they do get tired. So that's actually this continual process of reinvention a little bit. Yes. So, so how do you feel when you find something that works? Do you keep on driving it down? Uh, or do you like, what is your process to continually seek things to make them a little bit better, make them a little bit more evolved? Yeah. I think this comes back to not feeling judgment of yourself for low engagement in any way. Right. So, and it comes to down to testing things and do you have the self-confidence to get 200 views on a video because it's not the same way and style that you've done before, but because you're just testing it out, do you have the ability to say, okay, I'm going to put out a tweet that I don't know if it's going to hit, but I'm gonna, just going to test it. I'm going to try it. And so I think that's a really important part of it. And that comes from having the confidence in yourself to not put your self-worth in any, any piece of content you create, which is what a lot of people have the tendency to do. 
Mm-hmm. And it's understandable because you created it. So you think that it's a reflection of you, but it's not. And it's just something you put out on the internet. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's been a really important piece for me. Okay. So of all the platforms that you chose, you chose to go really hard with podcasting. Why was that? Yes. Podcasts to me have so many benefits. It's crazy. One of one of them is that you get to learn and connect with somebody you respect and admire. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing on the on the jump is like, would I have an hour phone call with Derek Sivers? Yeah, absolutely. Any day of the week, you sign me up, you tell me when it is. I don't care if I have to wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning, like I'll do it. Um, so connecting with somebody is an important piece. Another important piece is that it's the most you create this piece of content and from that huge piece of content, you can then chop it up into little bits and make it so that people can consume different parts of it. And I think that's an important piece as well. And also it's like, once you ask somebody good questions about themselves, they're then invested in you. So it's it's got that benefit as well. And it's for me, it's the ultimate way of learning about people, connecting with someone's soul, being able to express all those those moments on social media. And um, yeah, it's just been the place where I've put the most energy because it's the most real to me. I, it came, me starting my podcast came from a place of just wanting to talk to strangers on the phone. And so it being coming from an authentic place really makes it important to me and, and just really makes me love it even more. Yeah. I love the the humble beginnings of that because it really just comes from this curiosity about other people and yes. wanting to get really dope people on the phone and just talk to them. And something I realized about podcasting that I didn't realize back then, and I've been putting every single one of my creative friends on podcasting. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta do this. You you yeah, have man. to do this. And the reason being is I feel like it's like this, this, this box a little bit. It's like, number one, uh, if you ask Sahil Bloom for a call on Zoom, what is he going to say? Like, he's gonna get out of here yeah i was like no i'm busy you know hey sahil would you like to jump on a podcast i got you know 200k followers whatever it is and he's just like yeah shoot dude here's my calendar whatever it is right that's number one and then i i got to learn so and then the thing is is like when you get these guys on the phone you're like taking notes because they're literal like mentor sessions it's yes it's like you it's would crazy. not be able it's crazy and then Number three, four, I don't even know what it is. Develop a relationship with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Last time I I was like speaking with Michael Arrington and uh, he was just like, yeah, when you're in Miami, you know, drop by, let's work out together, whatever. I'm like, dude, this is the founder of TechCrunch worth like hundreds of millions of dollars. And he's like, okay, cool. Uh, Dope. I'll I'll see you in Miami. And um, the last thing is, is like the content piece, which is the idea that it just splits up into all these different pieces of content. And uh, you actually have something that's evergreen on Instagram. Wherever it is, like Instagram, YouTube, uh, freaking TikTok, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and okay. So one people, one thing that people don't realize when they see your journey is uh, something we talked about a little while ago, which is like the sense that you went on podcasting on your own, then you signed on with a company to do podcasting for with them, and then you decided to go off on your own again. What was the decision to kind of like go on that 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 journey of yours? Dude, great question because I, I don't think I've spoke about this a lot. And it was just so what happened was I, I got hired by an NFT company, Lucky Trader, which is a great company and great people over there. And I got fascinated by NFTs almost like a year ago. 
exactly when we're recording this. Fascinated by it, thought this was the future, still do, and got was spending a lot of my time and mental energy there. So I said, oh, why don't I just work and do this full time? And it turned out to be, I'm so happy that I explored the decision and tried it out because I realized, oh, this isn't really what I'm here for. This isn't really what I enjoy doing. This isn't this isn't the thing that lights me up. What lights me up is learning about people and learning about their stories and connecting deeply with them, not about NFTs. But I had to go through that journey myself of being in the weeds, figuring it out to know that it wasn't for me. And I think a lot of times going back to the judgment piece, we judge ourselves for, oh, I made this decision. It didn't work out. I'm stupid. I'm a failure. I'm mm-hmm. all this stuff, nonsense. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the mental loop I caught myself in at the end of December for a while. And I, I realized like, oh, like this was just a phase of my life. This wasn't actually anything that I needed to judge myself for. So yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's been a key part of my journey. And I'm really happy you brought it up because I think it's a learning process. Yeah. you. Well, the thing I get from that journey is that you bet on yourself as well, mm-hmm. right? You, you totally. bet on yourself and also you bet on your fulfillment and enjoyment of the process of what you do. And I do think that sometimes when you uh, go on with a certain company, you have this box around you a little bit of like what you can, what you can't say, the people that you talk to as well. In this case, because you're betting on yourself, you can do like whatever you want. You can talk to whoever you want. You're not you're not uh, beholden to the demands of like another person on top of you. And, yeah. uh, and I'm so glad you made that decision because uh, we've gotten some amazing content out of it. Now, what were some things that, because podcasting can be a, a slog, right? Mm. It can be a slog, especially in the beginning, just like all things can be a slog in the beginning. What were some things that you were telling yourself to kind of like push yourself through? I know it's like so, it's so easy and trite to be like, don't give a fuck about what anyone thinks and whatever it is. But when you're going through it, you're like, only like 50 people downloaded that podcast episode you know so what are some things that you said to keep yourself going and to keep pushing yourself towards uh consistently creating yeah and i will say that like part of this journey has been about taking steps back to take steps forward like for example i don't know if i published an episode from like december 15th to january 15th and i published two in july and I think it's important to note that like I've been consistent over a long term, but there have been breaks in that process. Um, but but things I've, I've said to myself is to really ask the question of, am I enjoying this still? Is this something that gives me joy? Is this something that I'm learning from? Is this something I'm giving my full heart to? Because I think the last thing you want to do is be living out a decision you made from a previous version of yourself that you're no longer you no longer resonate with. And so... I'm just constantly checking myself. Am I enjoying this process? Is this giving me joy? You know, so those those couple of questions have really helped me answer, oh, I should still do this. Because there are moments where I could have been like, nah, you know what? I'm not gonna podcast anymore. You know what? This has been a fun journey. But I've I've stayed the course because I get so much from it and I enjoy it so much. And because it really does give me so much joy. What caused you to take those breaks in the first place? Yeah, that's a good question. So in the first situation is judging myself for the lucky trader situation not working out. And in the second situation, it was really understanding why is this not getting the attention that I 
believe it deserves and really trying to sit with that question and say, do I need to change strategy? Do I need to do something different? And that question of asking that for a month led me to start going hard on TikTok. So it's fascinating how sometimes taking a step back can actually propel us many steps forward. Have you ever read uh, Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday? By any it's chance? definitely on my list. Oh, God, you got it. Okay, so because you're such a prolific creator, because you're creating um, impeccable quality pieces of content that are just going to be just time tested, you have to read this book. And yeah. I never say that for a lot of books, but definitely for this one. And the reason that he that that I would definitely recommend this, especially for any creators, but it's about creating quality. And mm. one of the things that you mentioned was like this drawdown period. He like Ryan Holiday talks about a drawdown period, where it's like sometimes. A, an idea needs a drawdown period for it to marinate, for it, the seed to grow, for you to actually start taking action on it. We had this conversation before where you were doing a podcast and then you weren't putting the podcast on YouTube. You weren't putting the podcast on Instagram. You weren't putting the podcast out to these specific areas that where you can actually get more marketing, where you can actually get mm. more eyeballs on it. Uh, and then, and then once you start, like, was that the decision for you to start doing that was like, okay, how can I get this out to more people? And then that's when you went like hard on social. Yeah. So I think what really made the difference is doing every piece of the process myself, mm. right? Because I was doing every piece of the process myself, I was more inclined to get it out there because I was so proud of the work that I was putting in. I'm doing the timestamps myself. I'm doing the clips myself. I'm doing every piece of it. I'm doing the research. I'm doing the... And so if you do everything yourself and you're really proud of the work you create, you just want more people to know about it, which inherently leads you to start asking, what could I do to get more people to know about this thing that I'm really proud of? I remember watching Tyler, the creator, talk about, you have new artists put out songs and they put months into this song. And then they only do one Instagram story about it. And he's saying to himself, why? If you're really that proud of it, why wouldn't you just put it out a thousand times in a thousand different ways? And that really made an impact on me and really resonated with me. So, And, and I think people do that because they are scared. They are literally mm -hmm. scared of putting their work out there because uh, to get judged, to get noticed, yep. to get noticed what if for it's the wrong not good? reasons. Yeah, what if it's not good? What if only gets like one view or whatever it yeah. is? Yeah. And then and, and a lot of times, like especially when you're creating in the beginning, even like when you're creating like where we are or wherever it yeah. is, you got to take your fucking ego out of it. You know, yeah. it's just like put it out there and see if it sticks. Now, you went through a period as well, and we were talking about this because you you had this drawdown period. You're feeling bad about yourself from, uh, you know, kind of like, I guess you could say not not going with the lucky trader and kind of like, I guess you could say, quote unquote, failing at that. Yeah. Was this during the time that you decided to write, I am I am happy a hundred times? I love myself. Open? I love myself. Bro, I love myself. Okay. Thousands of times I wrote that. Okay. And what was crazy to me is that I went to... Uh, Sahil Blooms and Sam Parr's event recently. Yeah. And some dude comes up to me and is like, hey, like, I just want to let you know, I started telling my brothers and myself, I love myself because of your tweets and because <laughs> of what you did. Just the best feeling, man, of like, wow, this this is a real person. You know, it just, it's different when it's, it's likes and it's on the screen. And then you see someone took what you did and did real action to it. And, and it impacted their life. It was really cool to have that moment and hear how it impacted someone personally. 
aside from that, have you gotten people to stop you in the middle of the street or at the gym or anything like that saying, <laughs> yo, you're Denny Miranda? It's happened a few times and I'm always really humbled um, yeah. when it does because I just view myself as just a guy putting out some content, just just spreading my truth in any given moment. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm always honored when that happens because it's like, wow, the things you're doing is impacting the world in, in some way. Awesome. And um, it's happened to me a couple of times. It actually happened to me once in front of my wife. Oh, wow. And, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's the ego, the ego piece. Then you it's know? the ego. It's like, oh, well, yeah, look at me now and whatever. And then literally we have to like inner bitch slap ourselves and just be like, exactly. put your head down, keep doing the work. You know, all these accolades, they, they really don't fulfill anything. They didn't, like the work is the fulfillment in itself, right? It's like doing the work. Yeah. And also another thing is like, it definitely can be a cool moment for the person who's recognizing you. Yeah. But it's also like, the, they'll probably just go on with the rest of their day. Like it wasn't like, yeah. maybe they were saying to their friend that day, like, oh, I met Dan Go, this dude from Twitter or this dude for, who has a great podcast. But you know, the next day they're not like, yeah. they're not freaking out about you. They're just like going about their business. It's like a cool thing that happened yesterday. So I, I think it's helpful to like put it in the yeah. proper context of, of what happens because I, it's easy to get high on our own supply sometimes. It's so easy to get high on your own supply. And, uh, it's so easy to get bogged down by compliments and insults when yes. none of these things matter. It, it really is just about doing the work and doing the work for the work's sake. Uh, okay. How many podcast interviews have you done so far? We've published 247 and okay. yeah, two, 249, I guess, is the, the total amount of podcasts that I've recorded for my and own self. How many hours goes into each podcast, do you think? Dude, I, I did the math one time and it was like 10 to 20 hours of research just for one guest. And okay. that was like blowing my own mind. But let's say 10 at the light light side of things and then so, so. recording for an hour and then publishing and doing clips and doing timestamps and producing it. I don't know, maybe that's another five hours on top of that. So probably let's say 20 hours per episode, yeah. but it doesn't feel like 20 hours. Of course, it feels yeah. like 20 hours of, of doing different things that I enjoy doing. So yeah, let's say 20 hours. Okay, let me do some quick maths on this one right here. So it's like 20 hours multiplied by 240. Uh, it's about 4,800 hours worth of work. <laughs> I, I would say that you are you're pretty good at what you do. And, and, you know, let's talk. We'll talk about TikTok in a second. I, you yeah. know, when I when I hear what you're doing right now, I really think that you, you would be like a full service yeah, agency for like podcasting clips and like all this kind of stuff. It'd be totally super dope. But anyways, we'll we'll talk about that in private. Um, so 4,800 hours of work in terms of doing clips, doing the interviews, publishing them, editing. What exactly do you feel are the principles to becoming a successful podcaster? Yeah, man. I think I'm I'm still learning. I like that's how I feel. I'm only I'm less than two years into it, believe it or not, which yeah. is yeah. is just a wild thing to think about. But I mean, for me, I think it comes down to the art of listening is like the number one thing. Do you listen? Are you curious? Do you care about the person you're talking to? That to me is like if nothing else. Like if you have no research, if you don't produce it at all after the fact, are you listening? Are you caring? Are you present? 
Um, that to me is number one. Um, and then it's just like, how do you get better as a speaker? How do you get better knowing yourself? Because the better you know yourself, the better you can act as a mirror for somebody else. And this is interview podcast. I know there's a bunch of amazing podcasters who do more of a, a round table or who do solos. Like that to me is not my strength and not what I've done at all. But interview podcasts, it's it's also about like really trying to appreciate the person you're talking to. So if I can do those things, regardless of the research, which I pride myself in, and regardless of the post-production, which I now start to pride myself in, if I can be there with that person, that's a win. And yeah, that that's what makes a good podcaster from, from my perspective, as well as to listen to our episode 231 of <laughs> you interviewing me, all those things as well. Uh, yeah, I watched that episode myself and that was like so flexible because we, that was like, I was going to, I took that as like, I'm going to video this, I'm taking notes and I'm just going to like literally make an entire playbook out of like what he's telling me. And then we decided right in the middle of doing that, we're like, dude, this would be like a really dope podcast. And and then we did it. Uh, I still got to have God. maybe, oh man, I, I got to publish that. I'll, I'll publish that uh, on my YouTube. I think you already published it on YouTube as well, but Hell I yeah. got it on mine. Uh, oh man, you totally made me lose my train of thought right now. Uh, Dude, somebody, okay. yeah, somebody sent me a voice note today and was like, I listened to the episode with Dan Go, it was incredible. I learned so much, and it's just it's wild to think, what if we didn't press record, mm. right? Like, that person wouldn't have felt that joy from the questions you asked and the answer, right? Like, and we were that close to not doing it. Yeah. Man, recording stuff is so important. Just yeah. like documenting the process of what you're doing. It, and it's it's funny because it's like the throwaway stuff as well. The stuff that you don't necessarily think about is the stuff that hits for a lot of people. And I think we because of the fact that we did it in such a organic way, um, yeah. we weren't trying to put it on the podcast. We were doing it. I was doing it basically for knowledge. And one thing I want to let you guys know, I mean, this is like episode, I think we're up to almost like episode 50 right now. I've interviewed uh, a lot of people. Uh, in that span. Uh, and the reason I'm doing this is because of the man who is in front of me right now. And I cannot express my praise for you enough. It was If it wasn't for that conversation, I wouldn't be doing this. Like I literally wow. wouldn't be doing this right now. Um, or I'd be doing it really like just horribly, like super horribly. It's, it's like basically just like jumping up all these like levels uh, without necessarily using your experience, obviously, in coaching as a way to do that. Now, is there anyone, I know that you've kind of like made your own voice right now, but was there anyone that you were modeling before in terms of like the podcast you wanted to put out? Yeah. So a couple of people, a few people are, are really impactful on this journey. One of them is Chris Williamson. And Chris Williamson is the host of the Modern Wisdom podcast and was recently on Joe Rogan, which was amazing validation of his ability to communicate, his ability to ask questions. One of the things Joe says to him right away in the episode is, Chris, you're a phenomenal listener. And he really is. And that's that's part of what makes him so good at what he does. But just from everything from the production standpoint, to his clips, to the guests he has on, to the level of conversations he has is phenomenal. So I can't recommend Modern Wisdom more. And it's really cool to see a tweet I had in January of 2021 that said, 
please help get Modern Wisdom to over 100,000 subscribers. Chris Williamson's going to be a household name in five years. And it's cool to see him on Rogan like less than a year and a half later. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's one person I really look up to and admire. Another person is Tim Ferriss. His ability to ask thoughtful questions, to be thought-provoking, to really get somebody to learn more about themselves from just asking his questions is phenomenal. Joe Rogan also as well, have to mention his ability to listen, his ability to just talk about anything. So those are a few people that really inspire me. And those people have really served as guideposts along the journey. And, and Chris is a great example too, because he's somebody who started in 2018. I started in 2020 and I could see his progression. I could look back at episode 250 and be like, okay, Chris was here. So I don't need to compare myself to him on Joe Rogan where he's done 500 episodes. I could compare myself to him at 250 or I can compare myself to him at 150. And you see the growth and you see the progression. You see how he's a better communicator today than he was before. And it's like, mm. that's inspiring to me to know that somebody can make that growth. Is there anyone else on the come up that you're looking at right now that you're like, okay, this guy is, this guy's going to blow up. Dan go, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, but it's for real. I, I think that I don't, no one comes to mind right away, but I'm sure if I looked at my Spotify, I'd mm. come up with a bunch of names for you real quick. Cause what you have to do, what I do, what I do when I research a guest is I listen to as many podcasts as I can. Yeah. And so whenever I come across a good interviewer who's new or coming up, I'm like, I always shoot them a message to be like, yo, great stuff. I see you like amazing questions. One that I did that recently to was Jacob Kelly, who has a creator podcast. And he, he's been doing his podcast longer than me, but he's still on the come up and still grinding. And I appreciate his thoughtfulness of his questions and yeah, that's a, a little a little uh, shout out to somebody I think who's going to do big work someday. 100, 100. Now, you mentioned uh, briefly about research. Uh, unbelievable just work ethic of yours when you go into the research piece of things. And the thing I love most about your podcast is when interviewees have that look on their face that says, how the fuck did you know that? <laughs> like, it's one of my... I love it. And that's the thing I look out for in every single one of your podcasts. And actually, that's something that I've wanted to bring into my podcast as well, because it makes it fun for the yes. other person. How do you go about finding these things, like in terms of like your research? Like what goes into this research in the first place? Do you have a process or you just listen to podcasts? What exactly are you doing? Yeah. So I will say the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more you can do the research faster to get the same result or even a better result. Um, one of them is just brute force listening to as many podcasts as you possibly can at 2x speed, which I've worked <laughs> my way up to, which is very helpful. Another is is Twitter. So Twitter mm. is the greatest blog. And if you search by min, minimum favorites or do an advanced search for their old tweets, or you do a search for the people they like and respect with them in their handles. Or if you download Twemex, T-W-E-M-E-X, you can, it's a Chrome extension mm. and you can see their most popular tweets ever. So that's a really cool feature. But yeah, man, I mean, it's really like asking yourself, what would I do if I really cared about this person? And what would I do to really show them how much I care about them. Because that's what I'm mm -hmm. doing at the end of the day. It's like, yeah, I'd go to the seventh page of Google. Yeah, I'd, I'd look up their old blog posts. Yeah, I'd read the stuff that they wrote. I mean, you know 
see, it's like a dopamine hit, right? I get when I, I do that. Yeah. And so I want that dopamine hit again and again and again because it's fun for me and it makes me feel connected to them and it makes their guard go down because they know I'm on their side. So it has a lot of benefits to doing deep research and I'm really grateful that I discovered that. And I only discovered that from going into interviews, not researching and being like, oh, the research one was were much better. So I think it's about figuring, like not everyone needs to do deep research like I do, but I enjoy doing it. So I do it. And I only figure that out by doing the work. So I, I think that's a really important piece and something that I couldn't have told you at episode zero that research was going to be an important piece of my process. It's only something I learned about myself from doing it. Uh, do the research, guys. <laughs> don't, don't listen to Dan. Like, you want to come out with like a really cool podcast. And actually, one of I'll tell you a story a little bit where uh, you were in, actually used your podcast as a proxy to interview Sahil Bloom. Yes. And um, one of the things that you uh, realized was actually one of the things that you came up with was this old college uh, interview that he did with one of his baseball fan or one of his baseball players yeah. or teammates or whatever. And then uh, from that, I took from that that he is a prankster, and mm-hmm. he, and he pulls prank. He's like one. He's like the resident prankster on on his team. So I, I was able to get out of him. It was like the the best prank that he ever pulled on one of his teammates. Um, and, and that's, I just want to give you the life cycle of like your research dropping down into my research and it's just a never ending virtuous cycle as they would say. So you said one of your mistakes was not doing enough research on the podcast. Uh, what would you say is uh, a couple of other mistakes that, that you make or that you have made, uh, while going on this journey? Yeah. Not doing clips and not learning final cut pro until I did. And I kind of viewed myself as the talent, quote unquote, of like, okay, I'm a podcaster. I want to get better at the craft. I want to ask better questions. And if I just do good podcasts, people will come. And what I realized is like, yeah, that might be true, but why not learn as many pieces of the puzzle that you can? And why not be dangerous in more than one field and arena? And so one mistake I made was not doing clips of the episode soon enough. I would do them here and there. I wasn't consistent with it. I wasn't I wasn't in the process of creating clips often. So I didn't get good results from the clips department. When I started taking it into my own hands, like I'll do it myself, as Russ would say, mm-hmm. then I started to see great success. And that's because I said, okay, how can I holistically be more dangerous in more aspects of this process? And I don't think it's, I don't think everyone needs to do this. I'm just 27 years old with time on my hands and hungry as, as hungry could be. So I think uh, that that was a critical mistake that I made that I wish I started doing video podcasts initially. I wish I started doing timestamps initially. I wish I started, you know, being more comfortable in front of the camera. But these are things that take time to develop potentially. And I'm, I'm just happy I stumbled across them before year two as year three has even began. Uh, I was having a conversation with, do you know Clark Kegley by any chance? I don't. Okay. So he has like a million or a million subscribers on YouTube doing really good there. And I was like, uh, I was interviewing him just much like I was interviewing you based on kind of like first getting into um, podcasting, but for him, it would be YouTube. Hmm. And I was like, okay, so who edits your videos? He's like, I do them. I, I have complete control over the entire process. Now you have people telling me you should get, you should not spend time on this. You should not spend time on that. He, from the last like five years of doing YouTube videos, he has been 
scripting, editing, doing every single one of them and having a hand at them. He doesn't let anyone else touch it at all. Chris Williamson also said that his friends make fun of him for doing the title, doing the thumbnail, doing each part of the process and and directing it and overseeing it and being so in the weeds. Hmm. And he says, that's part of the reason why it's growing so fast. Because who could know the conversation better than me? Because I was in it, I researched it, and I reflected on it. And who could title the episode better than the person who spent the most time with it? And I think maybe there's some ego in that, but maybe there's a lot of truth in it as well. And so... I think the closer you can stay to your craft is the better. And maybe you won't always have that time. Maybe Chris Williamson will get so big that he won't be able to manage each part of the process. But for now, it seems to be working out for him. And it's a reason why he's growing at the rate that he is. It also like begets this whole fulfillment angle of it as well, mm. right? It's like, hey, if I'm to fail or succeed, this is literally because of the control I put into the creative process. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And uh, they try to skip steps as well. They try to get ghostwriters. They try to get, uh, well, I don't know if video editing is like trying to skip it steps. Depends. It yeah, depends. It, it depends. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's like uh, people just literally try to skip the step of being so immersed in the creative process that they don't even know, they don't even have that stamp on it of what they want to create in the first place. They don't even have an idea. And like, I feel like you do it yourself first and then you kind of like outline it to other people. You give it to other people to do so they know exactly what your vision is, right? It, totally. And it's figuring out what's your craft, right? And and also if you're younger or you have, it depends, if you have less time and more money, then it's like outsourcing might be a better use. If you have more time and less money, it's like, Try to do everything you possibly can because one, you'll figure out what you like and two, you'll figure out how to do things better and more efficiently and you might even be better than the things you you would hire out for. So yeah, it's been critical. I feel like you have a massive dedication to work ethic, right? And you're not willing to get your hands dirty. Um, this also leads me to a couple of uh, areas in the physical fitness arena so you've yeah. done 75 hard how many times right now? At least three. At least okay. three or four times. I'm not yeah. I'm not sure. It's been why? It's been fun. <laughs> why have you done that? Not to say it's a negative or a positive thing. I love yeah. uh Frisella. I think he's freaking talented. I think he's awesome. And I love the the philosophy that he's put out there. So why have you done it three times? And well, just for context, sorry. Yeah. Just for context, 75 hard, what is it? Yeah. So 75 hard is a 75 day program where for 75 days straight, you do two workouts. One of them has to be outside 45 minute workouts each. Uh, you drink a gallon of water, you follow a diet, you read 10 pages of a nonfiction book and you take a progress picture and you do that every day for 75 days straight. And the reason why I did it so many times is because it taught me discipline. It taught me to do things even when I didn't feel like doing them. Right. So did I want to create 10 clips yesterday? Like maybe, maybe not. I had a lot of other stuff to do, but I did it and I put it out because I have the discipline to do what I need to do, even in the event that I don't want to do it. And so having that gave me a, a level of work ethic that I didn't have prior to doing the program. Because I, what would happen is in the past, I would say, oh, like, I don't feel like doing it today. It's not going to be done. 
And then I started being like, oh, I don't feel like doing it. And I did it. And wow, I feel better that I did it. So I don't, I'm not the most disciplined person in the world, but I, I am way more disciplined than I was when I started um, doing the program, which was in October, I believe of 2019 was when I really started. And yeah, man, it, it's been life-changing and I'm, I'm due for another another session of 75 hard soon. Yeah. That's hundred percent for sure. Are you getting Andy on the podcast anytime soon? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure when I get big enough, it'll, it'll just be something that it makes sense for him to do. Yeah. I think you're there already. I think you could reach out to him and he, he's definitely going to do it. Um, and you've gone through your own body transformation. I've watched your videos before you went, uh, from kind of like being, a little bit skinny on the, the skinnier, yeah, skinny fat side. And then now I'm watching these, uh, I'm watching the Sampar interview, seeing some guns, <laughs> you know, seeing, seeing the guns a little bit. Yeah, um, how has, how has this, or what have, what kind of caused you to do the body transformation in the first place and to start working on your body? And then, uh, how do you think it contributes to the work that you do? Yeah. So I started lifting weights for real, uh, in 2017 and, I just said to myself, you know, I'm 21 years old and I don't look like a 21-year-old man should should look from my perspective at that moment. And that that just that statement pushed me and uh, helped me learn more about nutrition and helped me learn more about fitness. And it was like one summer going into senior year of college, I, I said, you know, like I'm going to use this summer to my advantage and really try to grow and build muscle and lose fat and just be a different person. And so what happened was over eight weeks, I stick to a consistent nutrition plan, stuck to a consistent workout schedule for really the first time. And I weighed 160 pounds. And when I, when I got back to school eight weeks later, after the summer break, I also weighed 160 pounds, but I looked so different that my friends were commenting, dude, you look like you're on steroids. Like what's <laughs> going on? Like, tell me, what are you doing? This is crazy. And I, the truth was, I just did the work for eight weeks, and I had a base of previously working out when I was younger as well, so that that helped. But it was really a moment for me of like, oh, I could be a different person. Everybody else, my identity had changed in that moment when I got all the validation from my friends. It's like, oh, I'm somebody who works out. I'm somebody who's fit, and that that validation from people addressing me that way changed my actions, right? And it's similar to podcasting. People view me now as this podcaster who's been doing it for two years, who has interviewed some legends, right? So that validates who I am and that pushes me further down the path. And I think it's using those things to your advantage is really helpful because a lot of people fall in this cycle of like, oh, I'm depressed or oh, I'm, I'm this negative attribute and people reinforce that identity to them and then they get in that cycle and loop. For me, I want people to identify me as positive things or things that are going to help me and for me to get in that positive loop. So yeah. I know that I'm someone who's prone to being negative and I'm someone who's prone to being positive as well. So mm. it's figuring out the loops that are best for me to uh, to really help myself grow. Awesome. I don't know if you hear it, but my, my daughter in the background is like, Daddy, Dude, I Daddy. do hear that. Oh, Aww. yeah. I want to. Yeah, we could stop yeah. it, right? Yeah, baby. <laughs> Dude, we could Love stop. You. We could, we could pause. Nah, we'll we'll keep this as part of the podcast. I think it's like 
it's a good conversation and uh and yeah it's it's so it's always good to hear you know your little daughter saying daddy you know and hope it hope it doesn't uh hope it doesn't ruin the podcast for you guys to the one person that's listening to this right now or uh, cause trauma to you or yeah baby. cause trauma <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely uh okay one of the things that you mentioned is that you know your friends uh are starting to see your body transformation obviously you're making moves in podcasting mm-hmm. you're really starting to make a name for yourself and how has your relationship to your friends evolved uh since that um something i've realized in my own life uh I don't know if it's apparent in yours is that you kind of start to, how do I say, like gravitate towards and gravitate, gravitate away from, you know, certain people or some people, there are certain people that you allow in your life that you kind of like accept. But then as you're kind of like trying to make something of yourself, trying to improve yourself, trying to make yourself better, it's just, it's kind of like this like whole kind of attraction piece. And a lot of times like people don't want to admit that, Hey, guess what? Like the people that you knew, like when you're, 20 years old are not necessarily going to people be the people that you know 10 years from now or even 20 years from now mm. so so how exactly have has your relationship to your friends evolved or has it at all yeah it's been really cool to see some of my friends from college who love the podcast who i talk to once a week and I, there's probably a handful of them who i can call at any time and they can be like yo this is so crazy that this happened and I'm so hyped for you for this reason. And so I had a lot of friends in college um, and I have, I would say, a core group of people who I can call anytime now who are just, are so kind and are pushing me in my corner and are so excited for me. And you know, the whole thing about like success leading to people being negative, I haven't Mm. found that to be true at all. Like really? people have been so kind to me. People have been like, dude, I expected this from you. This is amazing. Like you, it's incredible that you're doing this. Like I always knew you do big things. Like I've been really blessed and fortunate from that perspective of like, just people are good from, from what I've seen of in my friends. And maybe people are talking about me behind my back, but I'm not aware of it. And it, it's really cool to see people's support. Well, you do love people. That's, yeah, that's one of the part things of it. <laughs> that makes Danny Miranda Miranda. Danny Miranda. Um, what have your parents thought about, uh, you know, first of all, like when you started, you know, they are obviously, I don't know, like all parents, maybe they're like, yeah, come on, Danny, let's get like a real job or something. <laughs> uh, but now they're starting to see kind of like the, the, the growth, uh, the achievements. Uh, what exactly is happening with your parents and from their perception right now? Yeah, my parents have always been 100% supportive. And I'm so grateful for that. Like I've, I have the best parents in the world and they're, they're in my corner and they're people who are smart and thoughtful and kind and self-aware. And so I, I don't know, I'm, and hardworking and I'm really blessed to have that. And I don't know, I don't know what any success that I've created for myself is just a result of their amazing parenting, truly. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so blessed for that. And I don't know, man. I don't know how, I don't know what I did right in a previous lifetime to deserve the parents that I got in this one. But yeah, yeah, they've been really, really supportive throughout the whole process, even when it was nothing, even when before Gary Vaynerchuk came on and and said that this was something, you know, they were still supportive and they, they saw an ember of talent or drive or just appreciation for what I was doing. So I really, I really appreciate that from their perspective. Incredible. Incredible. And, um, 
one of the things that uh, I would say about the parent, the parenting thing is that it just seems like you're pulled. There's the re, there's kind of like two types of people out there. They're and they're both successful. They're people that are being pushed or trying to push away from the failure or trying to push mm. away from not being a failure or whatever. It seems to me that you're pulled towards uh, trying to be excellent and trying yes. to create excellence in your life. A big portion of that is definitely being loved and supported by your parents in the first totally. place. Shout out to the Mirandas. Big shout the out. The okay. best. All right. And and I think that's the difference also between playing not to lose versus playing to win. Mm. And that I'm really, and I've always been this way, playing to win. And mm. that gives you an advantage because you're going on offense. You're willing to do the extra effort and you're, you're not playing scared. So... Okay, this reminds me of an interview that uh, that you did with this guy Casey. I forgot what his last name is. It was a, Casey Adams. Casey Adams. It was an in person yeah. interview, and yeah. one of the the key concepts. One of the things I love about podcast uh, research is that you're taking in this information from yes. someone who succeeded, and exactly it gives you idea. You're like, oh god, like I'm writing this down for myself, not even for like the research. One of the things that came out with Casey is. He's like, I just putting myself into positions to win. One of them was uh, uh, interviewing Larry King um, in, his in, the, in his own business. He's just literally creating situations where he's going to win. And that's what he's focused on. So when you're putting yourself in a position to win, what things are you focused on right now? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's about output. And it's mm -hmm. about connections with people. And so it's like, if I can reach out to one person a day that I respect and admire, like that's a win. And if I can put out 10 clips myself to bring the world to me, because I'm, I'm sure you've noticed this. It's like the more success and the more content you put out in general, the more you're bringing the world to you. And I think that just puts yourself in a position to win. If you're putting out content on a consistent basis, you're putting yourself in the position to bring the world to you. Yeah. So yeah, that, those are two things that I'm, I'm doing actively. So you, you were doing this virtually. I, I want to get myself and I will get myself to the point where I'm doing this in person with people. Uh, one of the things I've always wondered, is like, do people actually just like come to you and come to your zone and just be like, yo, we, you know, I want you to do the podcast. Can you come over to Arizona? They're like, yeah, I'm going to come over to Arizona kind of thing. Or sorry if I'm blowing up your spot. Um, but okay. So, so how exactly does that process go from one? Like, I want to know myself. Do people literally travel to go onto your podcast and to go onto like your live studio? Uh, so not at this time. I mean, like I, I try to f figure out what's the best time for this person. New York's a hub right now. So it's like okay. a lot of people are coming in and I always, that this goes back to being in touch with a lot of different people and mm. knowing their schedules and knowing you know, when are they in New York and look at their stories and being like, oh, this person's in New York. Oh, this person might know this person. So no, it's not a lot of people flying out to be in my personal podcast studio, but uh, hopefully one day okay. in the not too distant future. And this is just for my own curiosity. It's like you have a dope podcast studio. Yeah, dope. it's crazy. And this yeah. comes from, sorry to cut you off. No, it's okay. <laughs> the, it's okay. This, is, this is about looking at what other people are doing and seeing how could I do it that well. I looked at Brilliant Idiots by Charlemagne and Andrew Schultz and I said, wow, that's a sick studio. Where is it? I know they're both New Yorkers. So I looked it up and then I booked it. It was that simple. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. 
how much was the podcast booking? <laughs> like, <I> just, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's 250 an hour for multi-camera angles. And so this is a key point. It's like I was doing it online for 200 plus episodes. And then I start, which costs about around $0, somewhere around the ballpark of zero, and which is amazing. And it's, but I want to take it up a notch. And so one way to take it up a notch is to do it in person, but then it's way more expensive and it's a whole different ball game you're playing. And so then it becomes, oh, how do I make the funds to make this actually work? So yeah, that that's what I've been dealing with and, and thinking about for the past month. And it, it's been it's been going well, figuring out how to get the funds to support the podcast. Can we talk about how you gain the funds? Yes. Let's. Okay, how are you gain the funds? Right <laughs> so what I've started to do is build up my own TikTok and absolutely just go hard at it in one month just to give people some context. I went from nothing to 4.2 million views over hundreds of clips, which you could check out the hashtag, hashtag Danny Miranda podcast on TikTok. And people look at that and they say, wow, 4.2 million views. That's a, that's a lot of views. Uh, that's pretty sizable, especially for somebody who hasn't really done this before. What's he doing? And I've said, this is what I'm doing. And do you want to be involved in that? And mm -hmm. so I'm working with a, a few select podcasters to help turn their podcasts into clips and realized, wow, I started video editing about a month ago. I'm pretty good at it. I can I can do well enough to get views and to get attention and to figure out one, what the best parts of the episode are, because I've spent over 200 episodes doing it myself. Two, I've listened to probably hundreds, maybe thousands of podcasts over the past two years as well. So I know what hits for people. Three, I'm very well-versed in the clip game as well. I've consumed a lot of clips. So mm. all those allow me to figure out what the best clips are and then chop them up, edit it in my own style and help podcasters just grow their audience on TikTok. Because the last thing I want to do is offer a service that doesn't get people results. And I'm really excited by what I'm starting to do here. And it's been really fun. Can we talk about that guy that you just like started to blow up uh, in yes. terms of his own? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to name any names because I don't yeah. know. I don't know how familiar or how comfortable he is with me talking about it. But yeah. in it was really crazy because I did 50. He had done 50 clips of his own podcast. And the, the most they ever got was like 1600 views on an episode on a clip for him. And I said, you know what? I see what he's doing. I think I could do it better. And it was just a hunch I had. I gave him probably seven clips in the past uh, week. And one of those clips got 50,000 views just in the past 24 hours. And I'm saying to myself, oh my God, he was excited when I got him 1,600 views. And now it's getting 50,000 plus in 24 hours. Like this is what I'm doing is real and it can really help people. And I'm really excited by what I'm, what I'm doing and how I'm helping people. So I don't mean to dip into the secret sauce a little bit. Um, no, I'd love, to, it, okay. I'd love to talk about any of it. What do you feel uh, made, what do you feel helped in making that jump from getting whatever amount of views that he had to, to blowing up a little bit? Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, one of them is that weirdly, I don't use captions for my videos, which you would, might think makes the video worse. Mm. But for me, I found that they perform better. And the reason for that might be that somebody has to replay the video a second time if they miss a part of it. 
Um, that might be one. Another is that I just have a specific style that I think really works. Another is choosing the moment that is is the best, right? Like I, it it was impactful moments that are relatable to people where someone could say, oh, I could see myself in that. Um, another is the specific type of text I use on the title and the emoji choice. Like there's a lot of subtle nuances that I've only learned from testing it out and trying it myself. But it's, if you look at my profile or at least my profile today, I could change my style entirely next month, but yeah. my profile today, you could see what works, which is, well, is really cool. If anyone's watching this, uh, you know, watch Danny's TikTok uh, account and watch mine because I'm going to be starting to use Danny for my my own TikTok Let's stuff. Let's go. Let's go. And uh, and use us as kind of like a proxy. And if you, I would say, I don't know when you're listening to this. It could be years from when we recorded. It could be right, right now. I don't know. But um, nab Danny while you have a chance to nab him. <laughs> I always, okay, so I have this like thing, right? It's like catching people right before they're about to reach their precipice yeah. so you can lock in those like prices of where they're at and, and and i'm probably just giving up like my whole strategy like <laughs> when it comes to this kind of stuff but it's like okay so if you feel like someone's talented if you feel like someone's gonna like be on the come up and they're doing something that's like ridiculously amazing um they're usually like um i hate to say it but they're underpricing like their services and stuff right totally yeah, totally so, no say so, it bro it's the truth oh, yeah well and also it's an yeah. underpriced it's an it's an underpriced relationship in that that yeah. person is harder to reach when mm -hmm. they're further and more successful. Yeah. To get in to get Dickie Bush's phone number today is yeah. much harder than it was when I interviewed him at, on episode twenty. And so, the better you can get at spotting talented people, the better you can gain relationships and mm. gain access to people you otherwise wouldn't have been able to, not just from a pricing standpoint, but from a literally a human standpoint. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so you never know. That's, I guess that's the thing. It's like, you never know. Um, but yes, if you are listening to this and Danny still has uh, room for clients, then, uh, then nab him, especially with TikTok. I feel like it's going to be, I mean, if it already is, it's like the number one uh, traffic generator in, you know, in the world right now could okay. be easily could be. all right yeah i have some uh i have some rapid fire questions for you to end off this interview but so far i've like i've written like so many things down right now <laughs> um and i think we're gonna wrap a little bit after this uh this call just to kind of get some like trade secrets and whatnot um but yeah we always end this off with a couple of rapid fires so basically you give uh give me your answer and give like one or two three sentences uh about it and then uh and then we just kind of like roll from there you ready Let's do it. All right. What are your thoughts on Andrew Tate? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> I actually talked about him recently in that he is part of the reason why I started going hard on TikTok. And this is really cool to, to understand. I've, I know why he's successful. Mm. And it's a couple of things. One of them is that he says ridiculous things, like <laughs> out, of, out of control, mm. ridiculous things. And that gets attention. But the second thing is he put out a massive amount of quantity. He didn't do it himself, but there were many people who were putting out massive quantity on his behalf and do put out massive quantity. And so when I looked at him and I heard what he was saying, he was saying in one of his videos, why can't you do 10 clips a day? Why can't you do 100 clips a day? You literally could. There's nothing stopping you. A, a light bulb went off. And that is part of the reason why I started going hard on TikTok. I was like, 
oh, I literally could put out hundreds of videos a day. It's literally just about my own willingness to do the work. So I have massive respect for his ability to communicate the importance of work ethic. And that is my opinion of Andrew Tate. One of the things people don't realize is that he has incredible longevity. Before this, people were just like finding out about Andrew Tate like right now. Mm. But being on Twitter, we knew that he was like there long before any of this stuff happened. Totally. Um, and he got banned multiple times. <laughs> yeah. There was like, okay, so I, yeah, th I think it's okay to share this story. But were you there when um, there's another uh, Twitter user called Culty Bra? And then he. I, uh, I know. No, okay. what happened with him and Culty Bra? I don't know that story. So this is kind of like a quintessential uh, Andrew Tate story. And this is all on social media. So Colty Bra is this uh, super masculine, uh, you know, whatever dude, entrepreneur. And then he ended up uh, tweeting to Andrew Tate that he said that he would box him and he would beat his ass kind of thing. Quote, the paraphrasing, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew takes umbrage, obviously, to this because uh, world kickboxer doesn't take any crap. So he ends up, he ends up, um, DMing, trading DMs with uh, with this guy, Colty Bra. Uh, Colty Bra ends up being somewhat apologetic, but not taking back the thing that he said at all. And Andrew, I, I wish we could pull up these tweets. If someone's watching this, then please, like, if you can find these tweets, please pull them up because it's this literal story of uh, of how he kind of like of how he went about getting back at Colty and also making sure that he went through on his promise to box him and put money on the table for it. Wow. So he ends up, uh, I think he ends up finding like where Colty's parents live and what, oh what who Colty's parents are. Wow. Uh, he sends like a car over, you know, of like him in the war stuff, or I, I think it's like the war room or something like that. The emblems on, um, Colty gets very apologetic, uh, on the DMS. And then, uh, Andrew, uh, says this to him and this actually became a meme on Twitter it became a meme in the sense where it's like, okay, well, just say that uh, he traded DMs. He's, he, D Andrew said, hey, just tell him that, uh, you know, we, we, I talked to Andrew and we took care of the issue. He ends up, he ends up posting this tweet onto, um, onto Twitter. Andrew posts his, the entire DM conversation he had with Colty Bra. And then now this whole thing becomes a meme. It's like just, uh, you know, I've spoken to Andrew and we've taken care of the issue. And that's like, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Like Twitter is such a subculture that's like become like this whole meme. Um, and that's kind of like an example of like, you know, who he is. He's like a real, he's actually a real dude. Super real. And I, and I got so much respect for the fact that he blew up because it didn't just come from um, these ridiculous things that he's saying. It just, it just didn't come from like the videos that are being put out. It's literally because he's been in the game for so freaking long. Like, people can say whatever they want, but you got to respect the longevity of that stuff. So anyways, we, we went off on a little tangent. Wasn't, wasn't uh, wanting to go through that. Or actually, I wasn't intending to say that. But anyways, um, who are your mentors when it comes to this game? The game of podcasting? Uh, the game of like, man, I don't even think like we can the call game it of life? do podcasting anymore. Like, <laughs> I think like, is it creating? Let's just say the game of creating, you know? Let's say that. One of, yeah, one of the huge ones is Derek Sivers. And I don't think Derek Sivers is known as widely as he should be. And that's on purpose. 
he likes to have more of a low profile, but he's still very well known and well respected. And Derek Sivers is an incredible writer. He's formerly an incredible businessman and formerly before that, an incredible musician. So he's like, he's spread the gambit of his creativity and he writes about that on his website, Sivers.org, which I highly recommend everyone check out and read his blog and then read his books, which are amazing and fascinating. Um, He's someone who inspires me. Gary Vaynerchuk inspires me because of his work ethic. Tim Ferriss inspires me because of his ability to have interesting and thought-provoking conversations. Uh, Jocko inspires me for discipline to Mm. just wake up. Jack Willink, that is, you know, I have a lot of inspirations and I think it's about just choosing and picking what do you like about this person and not, not in a jealous or envious way of just like, you can, you can design your own character in this lifetime. And if you can look at as many characters as you can, you can figure out what parts of each character you enjoy. So yeah, those are four that come to mind. But it reminds me of like a video game a little bit, you know, it's yeah. like, ah, you can be like a Paladin magician, blah, 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 kind of thing. Right. It's like, maybe I'm like getting my geek on a little bit too much. Now, if people were to uh, fast forward 250 years into the future and you can only have one podcast that you've currently that you've actually created to represent yourself to these people, which podcast would you be? And yes, I'm telling you to kill a lot of your children right now. So, okay. <laughs> Such a great question and framed so well. I'm I'm really impressed by it because I've gotten this question of what's your favorite podcast a million times and I yes. give a non-answer a million yeah. times and you are forcing me to give a real answer. Literally. <laughs> um, fuck. Um, see, to this, I would say I'd want to record one where I knew that it was being presented 250 years in the Mm-mm. future, but I won't Mm-mm. give you that answer. Mm-mm. I would probably say the one where Tej interviews me for the first time. Maybe it's episode 46 of my podcast because I think that represents me really well or at, at least represents where I was in the journey and represents a, a real authentic whole version of myself. Um, but me interviewing somebody, is that yes. also like... Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm telling uh, you to pick a side right now. That's what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> um, I really liked my episode with Mike Maples, yeah. but I don't know if it'll be relevant 250 years from now. But I just think he's such a wise thinker, and he's so able to to just communicate truths. I'd want to record another one with him where we talk about 250 years from now and what he thinks about it. But Mike Maples is might be the smartest person I've ever had on the podcast and also one of the most likable and someone not a lot of people know about. But that episode was named uh, the number two podcast in the world in 2021. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, Who is the weirdest person that you want to interview on a podcast that most people would not guess that you would want to interview in the first place? Derek Sivers is pretty weird, but that's... He's he's um, pretty popular. Yeah. But he's he's popular. Um, The weirdest person... I don't want to interview Andrew Tate, believe it or not, but he would be... You don't? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, why is I, that? Yeah. Um, I don't want to interview him because I don't... I don't believe he's a good representation of where I want the podcast to go. I think he has mm-hmm. some interesting things he says, um, but I don't think it's... Like the question I would ask is like, would Tim Ferriss have Andrew Tate on his podcast? Mm-hmm. And so, but not saying that I only I'm having guessed that that Tim Ferriss would, but yeah, yeah that that's um, I kind of want to hold myself to a high standard of thoughtfulness and 
So that's yeah. one reason. But um, who who's weird that I'd have on? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you. I'm sorry. Oh man, I love. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come that. to me. I love. It'll come to you, me. Though. Yeah, <laughs> you did. You totally stumped me. <laughs> I love stumping you. Um, how does it feel to be on this side of the the interview right now? I really enjoy it because I feel no pressure. I feel like I don't have to make it an experience. It's the difference between being a host at somebody's house and hosting somebody. Mm. When you're hosting somebody, there's a lot of there is a subtle pressure of like, I want this to be a good experience. I want it to be clean for the other person. I want it to be nice. When you're going over to somebody's house as a guest, you're saying, Oh, I'm just enjoying this place. This is fun. You know, I you can more freely just say, oh, this is cool. This isn't, you know, I'd want to put this part in my house um, or I don't want to have this part in my house. So it's it's more freeing for me. I hope I created the charcuterie board to your, uh, to your tastes, my Always. friend. Always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what kind of advice would your 85-year-old self tell you right at this moment? To continue to be thoughtful and hardworking and you you are making your parents proud your grand grandparents proud and you did make your grandparents proud and you you made your children and grandchildren proud as well i think is the advice how was the experience uh, interviewing your your grandparents unbelievable man i think it's something it's the greatest gift no no amount of money no it, it's the most value like one of my most valuable assets are my interviews with my grandparents and I, I need to do like a whole series honestly mm. i need to get some microphones and just put them in front of them and just talk uh regardless of it if it's an interview or not just just being there with them having those recordings so valuable mm. you did uh i remember we were talking about uh ways in which to monetize and and make money and we were talking about uh the interviewing family members uh kind of yeah. like business i think that's still a great freaking idea i think it's still Definitely. an incredible idea yeah Th although people would have to pay you like tens of thousands of dollars to do it right now like if they were to get Dana <laughs> miranda to do it and, and yeah, by I the mean, time you're listening to this, it's probably gonna be a hundred that hundred thousand per episode most likely most likely yeah. yeah and it's really cool to think about how artists and musicians do the same thing at one point they recorded a song 10 years ago and they're getting paid much more 10 years later and what's the difference there it's like it's demand. It's their own time. It's it's more people knowing about them. Them getting better as a performer. Like I think it's really cool the idea that you can be the same person or a slightly different version of yourself and get paid a lot more for your time because you've created more value. You've gotten more people to know about you. You've you've gotten better at your craft. So those are are things I think about a lot. All right. Last two questions. What makes a creator unsuccessful? What makes a creator unsuccessful is stopping. That's mm. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but another is just not listening well. A part of being a creator is, is looking at the feedback that your audience or your lack of audience is giving you and saying, okay, like, what am I doing wrong here? What What is not resonating with people? And also, it potentially is like, not caring about that, like that there's no audience, right? Just because there's an audience of people doesn't make something good. Just because there is no audience doesn't make it bad, but it's just a piece of feedback and something to note as a creator. So something that un makes for an unsuccessful creator is, is not listening and stopping. Yeah. I remember um, 
when I was uh, first getting started on Twitter, uh, you know, it's it's like you reach 5K followers and you're like, whoa. And then you reach like 10K and you're like, yo. And then something I realized, uh, I remember like there were so many people that that were blowing up on Twitter. And then um, one out of like one day, they'd just be like, all right, for the next week, I'm just going to take the next week off and I'm just not going to create. Yeah. And to me, when I looked at that, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like <laughs> Artificial limits. We've set yeah. artificial limits on our own joy, our own success, our own happiness. We do this in all aspects of life. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's the, actually like, I got this from my therapist where it's like, he says like, there's no such thing as self-sabotage, but people just like, just going within what their limits are and being comfortable with that. Um, okay. So what makes a creator successful then? What makes a creator successful is listening well, being able to take feedback, um, being consistent and over a long time horizon showing up. That doesn't mean you have to show up. That doesn't mean you have to show up every year. Like there were years Gary Vaynerchuk took off 2013, 2014, building his business, but he's the most successful creator. One of the most successful creators I know, because even though he took that time off, he got back on the horse and got and started listening even better. And the first thing he did was launch the Ask Gary V show, which gave him direct feedback and questions from people, what they wanted to know about him so he could give better content. Mm. So that goes to the listening piece. I love it. Uh, okay. Last question is, uh, where can people find you, my friend? Uh, the Danny Miranda podcast is the best place to find me yeah. as well as on Twitter and TikTok at Hey Danny Miranda. It's been yeah. a pleasure, bro. It's been great. Dude, I love this. I love this interview. Uh, and I love just like rapping with you in general. If you if you guys are listening to this, like Danny and I, we do talk like on a somewhat frequent regular basis, just kind of trading like notes with each other, trying like rapping back with each other. It's nice to kind of like do something like this where it's like we are having a conversation, uh, but also it's like <laughs> I'm still taking fucking notes and shit. And like, <laughs> yes, you know, I'm, I'm treating this like a mentor call a little bit still. And, um, and yeah, man, I, I enjoyed, uh, I always enjoy our conversations. I always enjoy our interactions. I really do think that you are on the precipice right now of, uh, just massive hockey stick growth. And I know that even me saying this, it doesn't fucking matter because you're going to show up and do the work anyways. So exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. it, whatever is going to happen is going to happen and nothing we say about it can make a difference about that. It's only like what I actually do or what exactly. we all actually do. Exactly. All right. Much love, brother. Thanks for going, uh, jumping on this. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you again for listening to The Dango Show. We have some amazing episodes coming your way, so make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're already subscribed and today's episode hit home for you, please share this episode with someone that you know who'd benefit from listening. Take care and see you every week on your favorite podcasting app. Thank you.